Hello, and again, welcome to BitDepth. I'm Santiago Ramones. Across from me is... Caleb Gregg. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Uh, it's been kind of a long time coming, and I just, like, I have a list of people, and, like, I just forget about my list of people. <laughs> and so it's like, it's like, oh, yeah, damn, I didn't get Caleb on here. So I'm on the list. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> feel honored. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, you had just started BitDepth like in 2016, and I a band I was like quasi managing. I, I, I we did a podcast, and I think that was the last time like you and I really interacted. Yeah, yeah, that was a uh, space for lease, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That then became hookup, hookup, <laughs> short lived. <laughs> all all of the like different band names and things. Um, I mean. I like that. Uh, I really like that episode too, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a good one. Um, but now I have you in here. So who are you and what do you do? Ooh, my name is Caleb Gray, as I said already. Um, I guess first and foremost, I'm a musician and that's kind of led me to becoming an audio engineer and recently an educator. Um, I've been teaching for, this is my second semester now, teaching live sound at ACM, so that's been fun. But I don't know. I, I don't like really defining my personality by any of those things. So, but professional wise, I guess that's, that's what I am. Yeah. But then I guess since you say like, oh, you don't want to define yourself by those things. So how do you define yourself? Even if it is just like, oh, I'm a spiritual nomad, whatever that means. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't even know that I have a good answer for that. Um, I'm curious, I guess. I like to be openly curious about everything around me. And I guess that leads to like a kind of willful view of the world. Um, but I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm still trying to figure all that out. Yeah, oh, we all are. <laughs> so how did you first get started in music? Um, honestly, probably Guitar Hero uh, <laughs> was my first like foray into it, which sounds weird to say, but... I had a friend who like we played video games together and Guitar Hero 3 came out and he brought it over and that was that. Then a couple years later, rock bands and then that kind of turned into playing real instruments when I was uh maybe 14 or 15. And yeah, just kind of spiraled from there. <laughs> uh so what kind of stuff were you listening to at the time? that you transitioned into real instruments classic rock <laughs> like butt rock yeah like i mean what what people listen to before they discover like you know quote unquote cool music like current music you know just the music that's on the radio really um try, like guns and roses Led zeppelin all the classic names yeah uh what was like the first thing that you had under your fingers i mean was it guitar was it piano what were you playing first guitar. yeah it was guitar and then and then drums shortly after that luckily i my mom was very supportive uh she was just excited i was doing something that wasn't video games i think <laughs> so uh she put up with all the noise and stuff i don't know the first thing one of the first things i remember is the riff for sweet child of mine because my grandma really liked that song and so you know had to like show off for her <laughs> um but the classic smoke on the water you know that or iron man those were in there too i remember specifically one night like staying up all night in my little room upstairs and printed out tabs for the iron man solo and like i i obviously was not able to get it back then but <laughs> man i tried yeah it's it's really more especially like first starting out it's not really about the playing of the music it's about like the drive to like accomplish a thing. <laughs> Absolutely. And and like, especially if you started as a kid or a teenager, like having just the time to like, you know, spend all day after school without having to worry about anything else. It's like, I, I kind of, you know, you take it for granted. <laughs> now there's a million things to do. Is there still something that you like pick up a guitar or like go to the drums that you're still like, oh man, this is from like the old days? <laughs> yeah i'm still playing the same old riffs i haven't learned a new riff in like probably three years <laughs> um, yeah 
yeah now it's more like kind of modern indie rock i guess right um yeah okay well what are you influ- your influences now influences now i'm having a hard time thinking of specific artists but i guess like genre wise it'd be like pop uh pop rock and hip-hop are the three um indie indie was kind of the bridge between like radio music and the whole world of music for me, like that kind of showed me that there was an underground and that underground is cool. It doesn't just mean worse. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and with that kind of shifting, it is the shift with like music as entertainment to music as art. Uh, I guess what was the first thing that you kind of looked at as like, Oh, this isn't just for fun. This is like, a whole artistic experience like creating or listening to both <laughs> yeah i don't know i i've never I've, I've had a hard time separating the fun from the art in creating they kind of go hand in hand like I, I don't really do it if it's not fun in the creative like you know why else i don't know i'm not like i'm not making money from music so why am i why would i be doing it if i wasn't having fun currently um but as far as listening i mean pink floyd echoes is probably like is the thing that sticks out to me is like, man, this is not just a song. This is like, I don't know. <laughs> and that kind of started the whole romanticized view of like the deranged rock star kind of thing. You know, there's this like kind of, I, I don't know if it's a narrative, but it's prevalent where like you have to be like this deranged kind of unhappy soul to make good art. And that's not true at all. <laughs> but, but, you know, as a teenager, you're seeing like Pink Floyd or, Kurt Cobain or, you know, these people that are idolized for that exact thing, John Lennon. And I don't know, it was hard to separate the drugs and what I assumed Pink Floyd to be doing from, from the badass art. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, (laughs) yeah, you don't have to go full Kanye to make good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so when did you start writing music for yourself? Probably shortly after that, I was tinkering around. Like, I didn't know how to write songs, but I had, like, little voice memos of uh, progressions or little note chains. Um, my first song probably happened in college, and that's when I put, like, words with music. Up until then, even if I had made a song, it was just an instrumental. I didn't know how to put words or didn't feel comfortable singing over it or anything like that. So, yeah, maybe, like, eight years ago or so now, it's writing my first song, they were bad. They were real bad. <laughs> they've slowly improved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then you kind of, like you said, you had your music creation sort of transition into being like a sound guy. So when did, uh, yeah. When did recording music or, or producing music, when did that sort of come into your life? Yeah. So in high school, I, I found some other musicians in my school and we kind of made a band. Uh, I'll lose, use that loosely and so the the initial desire was i wanted to record ourselves and so i started like kind of getting some i'll say recording gear but it wasn't really anything i didn't know what i was doing um i got like a little eight channel mixer to hook up to my sound card on my pc you know but it didn't work and and, uh but that's what started it all and then the band fell apart and that was kind of like heartbreaking there was like some uh deceit and like betrayal that was kind of went into that And so that kind of led me to be like, man, I'm just going to do it all myself. Like I'm sick of, I don't want to rely on other people, you know, (laughs) for right or wrong. And so then I ended up finding out about ACM, uh, maybe a year later. And I was kind of like into Ableton at that point and kind of into trying to record myself, but going to ACM is where I started. Like, I, I, I don't think I ever thought of a studio as the job before that. I don't think I ever realized that you could be working in a studio before going to ACM. Um, and so in college, I uh, just started doing that, working with a lot of bands that were around me. And then the teacher started like recommending people to record with me and stuff. And so that kind of sent me down the audio engineer path. And I didn't get to focus on making music really at all or, or playing uh, or honing those skills. I was really just focused on recording and, and doing live sound. And so fast forward a couple of years, I graduate college. Um, I'm living with a, a good friend. We start a band. Um, I have a full-time job, so I'm not needing to hustle as much on the side. Like, And we just started writing songs. And that's the band I'm currently in is Kodos uh, with Kyle. So. 
Mm-hmm. Is Kodos like you or is it like the band? Uh, I, I like to think of it as the band. There have been times where it was just me, but that's really just out of necessity because like it's, it, initially it was me and Kyle and we built from there. But it was, at, at one point, Kyle went back to school and kind of like took a hiatus from the band. And so I, I, but, you know, we talked and I just kept it going. You know, we didn't like put the band on hold or anything. Uh, and then about a year later, he returned and we're, we're back and we've got a five piece now and just trying to do that thing. Yeah. Uh, how would you describe the Kodos sound? Kodos sound. Hmm. I wish, I wish our new music was just online because it's like a good bit different from what's online currently. <laughs> um, so what I'm about to say might not apply to what people could go here right this second, but I like to think it's like pop, like festival pop mixed with the production of like hip hop and the delivery and like honestness of like emo or indie rock. Um, and that I don't really go into music making with those influences mine. That, that's just kind of like what comes out naturally, I guess. That's what I listen to uh, in my free time. That's what like drives me to make music is that kind of music those genres so um and then i guess how would you describe what is out and like yeah apparently there's a shift that happened between what is out now and then what you're you're making now uh i think it's like a step in the same direction it's just not quite fully realized it's like not it's not a totally different genre or anything it's not like soft listening or anything like that but it's just like me trying to figure out and us trying to figure out what we are, how to write songs, what our songs are, you know, and that kind of thing. So it kind of ranges a little bit, but the pieces are all there. Like it's, it, it when people hear this, this next project, people are going to, it's going to seem like a natural transition. It's not going to be like a wild jump. Sure. <laughs> not a, uh, kid a jump. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so I guess how do yeah, how does the band dynamic work? Do you kind of make something fully fleshed out and show it to the band, or do you kind of just show up to rehearsal and you guys just like throw stuff at a song? Uh, it usually starts with me or Kyle um, making like a, a skeleton, and sometimes it's me and Kyle. Sometimes it's just me, and then that skeleton uh, will go into a folder with thirty or forty other skeletons, and then we just take a couple or I'll pick a couple, me and Kyle will pick a couple and we'll bring them to the group for some, some rehearsals and just kind of flesh them out from there. This is honestly, I, I didn't really have a good answer for that because this is honestly the first time we've ever done it uh, with these, this batch of five songs before it was kind of like Kyle would just come over and record like some parts and kind of just like throw some stuff on the Pro Tools project. And then I would edit it together and, and arrange it. And uh, that's basically how the album was done. The Just Another Memory Kodos album. But these songs, like we wrote these these shells, and then I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have any say in like what Alex, our keyboard player, was playing, or really what like Derek is playing on the bass. And it's been it's been pretty fun, like seeing what they come up with and just letting them do their thing. And I think it makes makes it a lot better too. Yeah, it's a it's a very strange thing, sort of having to like kind of walk that line between like if you have a very solid idea of like what a song like needs to be or what you want it to be uh versus like we just kind of have stuff and like yeah the spirit of collaboration sort of happens naturally it's like wow that was way cooler than i could have ever even thought of doing myself yeah and it's tough because it takes everybody to be on the same page as far as like wanting to make it better or wanting to put effort into it. If, if some, if like somebody doesn't want to put effort into it, then it's not going to turn out as good. It's going to, it's unfortunate. And that, that's where the struggle comes in. It's like, you can tell, like I can tell when somebody's not wanting to put effort into it. And it's like, man, I could just be doing this on my own right now. But, but yeah, it's, it, it definitely makes for better art when, when you're able to come together and collaborate on something. Yeah. Um, how does the perspective of, you know, being used to being on the other side of the microphone of like, you know, often being the audio engineer, often being the producer, and then kind of being on the other side, how does that perspective sort of shift how you're making music? I really don't know how people make music without 
this perspective, truthfully, like, I mean, there's so many times I'm running sound for a band and not, not to, you know, talk bad about anybody, but it's like, how did, who okayed this in the practice room, this specific set of tones, who okayed this? You know what I mean? And, but that's me thinking from a sound engineer perspective, which a lot of bands don't have internally. <laughs> and so I, it just seems like such a hindrance to not have that. And obviously people have been doing it forever, but like, I, yeah, it's, I mean, everything I do, I think about how it's going to translate live, how it's going to sound, how I want to sound versus realistically how it is going to sound in these rooms that we're playing. You know, like it, it allows you to know like how your band's going to sound when you go to speakeasy and play versus how you're going to sound when you play 89th Street versus how you sound in the practice room. You know, I don't know. It just, it gives you like a realistic view on what you, what you are, I guess. Hmm. Well, because there's also the possibility of like, because you have like whatever DAW that you're using, you can just like throw in a bunch of stuff that's like not possible live, but just because it sounds good. Like, yes. Do do you like set hard rules to be like, I can't put, you know, a whole orchestra in here because we're not going (laughs) to bring a whole orchestra on tour. That's ridiculous. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if there are rules, but it, after you do it, after, after you go through that process of like making something and then trying to play it live and realizing you can't really play it live without having a ton of tracks or you're just being really weird. I would, I don't know if there are rules that I live by, but I definitely am aware of it. It's like, I, I do want some strings on these songs. I'm like listening to them, list, looking for string parts. And it's like, Oh, but I don't want it to be too integral to the song. Cause we're not going to have that live. I want the songs to stand up on their own without that. But there, I don't know. We have a good, pretty good track system set up now. So like, I'm not really too worried about implementing some tracks at this point. Yeah. Uh, let's get into that nitty gritty because like, uh, have you workshopped the, <laughs> the live track situation? Because this is more of a question for me personally as well, because I'm working on an album and I know that I'm going to like, all right, maybe some of this is going to need just like playing with track because there's so much stuff uh so yeah what have you finessed in your experience of how to play well with a band with tracks uh man really just having a drummer that's comfortable playing with in-ears and click like that's that's so key as long as the drummer has in-ears and is on the click like it's so easy to run tracks provided that you have you know a laptop and an audio interface and ableton live like there is a decent barrier but i think you have all that yeah 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 (laughs) but but also for the people that you know might also have to go through that hurdle themselves is like yeah uh, running ableton live uh like running a live session uh with ableton live uh on stage is is really scary like i remember the first time that i (laughs) you know had done it or, or you know making the the session that contains everything and like making sure that everything can run you know it's definitely like a work in progress like you can you can sit in your apartment and theory crafts this thing all day long but until you go use it on a stage like you know it, it, it's taken four or five shows like for us to kind of refine the the exact setup and it's still not quite you know it's still a work in progress we did this show outdoors in the middle of the summer and I, I knew that laptop overheating was a thing, but I was like, we, it's not, we're not really using it that intensively. It's a 30 minute set. We'll be fine. And sure enough, like pretty much instantly the laptop overheated <laughs> and we were just there without it, which, you know, <laughs> is what it is, but learning experience. That's the nice part about having the band is that at least you have a band to play the show with. And so it's not like, cause this actually happened to me at, speakeasy where like I had I didn't have a band and I like set up my entire session as just like the band was my computer and like for whatever reason like the outputs weren't working or something or like they weren't you know connecting and so it's like well I'm guy with guitar on stage now so this is the show that you're getting (laughs) yeah it's like if you if you have such a reliance on a a track system you better have a backup plan if it doesn't work (laughs) because because yeah (laughs) And if that backup plan is just like guy with guitar on stage, that's fine. But it's like, you better, better be prepared because it will fail at some point. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so 
I'll do this question first since we're like on it, but the, what is a kind of deep nitty gritty or advanced thing that you're working on, uh, in like production wise or music wise that you're like really excited about, but like is just like, so inside baseball, but like, you're still really excited about. Mm. The only thing that's coming to mind, I mean, there's always tons of stuff like this that you just like geek out about on your own never share it with anybody but i'm realizing how cool gates are like audio gates i uh i kind of got ruined on them just by them mistriggering or them not opening in time or or opening frequently enough or whatever but like man they're really good not just for cutting out bleed live but also for like controlling the resonance of a drum in a mix like i've spent so much time trying to eq out kick drum ringing when Really, all that needs to happen is put a gate on it to close the sound like a bit after the attack. And it's like that that alone, I learned that from Tyler Garcia. We went and recorded at 33rd Street and I got the Pro Tools sessions and he had gates on all the drums. I was like, at first I was like, this is questionable. But then I was listening. And I was like, wait, this is actually very sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and then the like the audio nerd in me is like, yeah. And then you can just like go crazy with the gates. Like you can map the gate to other things and like side chain them and everything. And <laughs> side chaining gates. See, you're, you're, you're a little deeper with it than I am now. I'm, I'm new to the gates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a, a, there's a trick that, uh, I saw from Ben Levin, uh, that you can like have a, a drum beat, right and then you can have like a, a vocal thing or just like a, a guitar thing or something and side chain the gate on the on the vocal or like you know this sort of harmony type thing and so you have the gate open with the drum beat instead of like the drums being gated and so you have like a rhythmic thing that is on your harmonic type sound wow that's pretty cool man I want to just go bust up and uh, bust up in a personal session. Yeah, now. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so then, uh, going back a little bit, I guess at what point did you realize that, like, music was what you wanted to do with your life, or if there even was a realization, or you just kind of fell into it? I think it, I mean it's happened multiple times. It, it reaffirms itself at different points. Um, there's kind of seems to be this cycle where it's like you feel really uh, called to do it and motivated and feel good and and like you're doing the right thing for yourself and and all that and then you kind of maybe hit a roadblock or or, or some something doesn't come to fruition and it's kind of you're down on yourself or down on the endeavor um, but every time that happens it just something happens that like reaffirms that this is what I need to be doing and I I don't know I don't know when was the last sort of reaffirmation that like really told you like man this music thing is is a good thing i'm going for <laughs> uh the, the biggest one most recent one was probably right after the last album that i, I put out in dakotos because that album was right before um we kind of became more of a, a five-piece band that was very much just me and kyle and kind of had some friends playing on it here and there um and really beyond that it was just me so i had so much invested in this album and I had so many expectations for what would happen when it came out. Not just like, oh, I'm going to get tons of Spotify streams. It wasn't like that. It was just like, this is going to like put me on in the scene. This is going to like, my friends are going to like this. You know, this is going to like bring me respect as a musician, all that kind of stuff amongst my peers. And then like those expectations, I mean, I don't think they could ever be filled realistically. And so the album came out and I, I, I got a lot of love for it, but it wasn't, it didn't reach my expectations. So I was like, really like, just what am I doing, man? Like, why am I doing this? You know? And then things just kind of like fall into place again and, and you're back at it. I don't know. It is it, 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 such a learning. And I don't know, I, I glossed over a lot of growing and learning, but I don't know. You, you, I learned that, you know, I'm doing this for myself. I'm not doing this for other people. And that that was a very big reaffirmation, reaffirmation in that, in that, in that way. Like I, I, I can move forward and make the, the best art to my ability without having to worry about what's dude down the street, you know, plain speak, he's going to, is going to think or, or whatever. So it, I don't know. It all is learning. Yeah. Yeah. 
But then like you go and do a show and like a bunch of your friends show up and it like feels awesome, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you do a show and not a lot of your friends show up. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, know? That's true. It's just the ups and downs are bullshit, man. <laughs> and then again, it's like, damn, what am I doing? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. But you gotta have you gotta have those moments to realize you're not you're not doing it for them. And if you are your heart's not going to be in it for very long because you, you, nobody can sustain those ups and downs for a decade, for 20 years. You know what I mean? Uh, you got to be doing it for yourself and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why music? Why not something else? Hmm. I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot that interests me enough to want to pursue a career in. But unfortunately, you only get so much time and like you really kind of have to dedicate your time to something heavily if you want to like, progress in it i would love to do other stuff not maybe not in a career way i'll back up music's the only thing that i ever felt good about like working in like there are other things i'm interested in and passionate about but i don't want to work in them i just want to learn about them where music like i I thoroughly enjoy working shows i thoroughly enjoy recording people there are times it's not enjoyable for sure there are times it feels like work but it's like it doesn't feel like a job it just feels like group of people coming together to have fun or to put on an event or to, and not a lot of other professions have that. Um, And so maybe that's the best answer I can give for that. Sure. (laughs) What's something that people don't normally know about you? Hmm. Hit me with a deep question. I don't know. I'm a pretty, like, I don't really, I keep my cars close to my chest. So like I'm I'm struggling, you know, every, most things. (laughs) Um, Let's come back to this one. (laughs) okay then um what advice do you have for people wanting to get into what you do either making music or producing music being an audio engineer whatever um just start doing it and don't worry about other people on instagram and shit don't worry about how good whatever guitarist is on instagram don't worry about how smart whatever audio engineer seems like just start doing it make mistakes um, find a mentor, find, find somebody that you can learn from and ask questions to because Google cannot answer every question. Um, you can read every article in the world and still not know anything about it in practice. Um, and also just be open, be open to learning from other people, be open to learning from anybody. Even if you think they know less than you be open to it. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Shifting into the deep questions that make bit depth, bit depth. Hey, what is the role of spirituality or religion in your life? Unfortunately, I, it hasn't played much of a role up until fairly recently. Um, I kind of got ruined is a, a weird word, but I'll just use it for, I kind of got ruined on the whole church thing and the whole organized religion thing as a kid. I never really like, we just, my family just kind of did it. And so I never was able to get a solid answer on why we were doing it. And so becoming a teenager, questioning everything, I still was never able to get a solid answer. And so up until recently, I kind of just blew it all off. I was like either agnostic or atheist or just, you know, one of those kind of things. But recently, man, I'm thinking there might be like, it, there things are just too coincidental for there to not be some kind of like divine something. I don't think that's like a Christian God. Maybe it is. I don't know. But so recently, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to listen to that voice and, and move according to that voice and i don't know if that i guess that's the role it's playing but i don't know it's like it's like a a, it kind of goes with your values like as far as like when you make decisions and you base your decisions off your values it's kind of in that same realm where it's like i'm making decisions based off like who i want to be and who i think i should be and i think i I, ultimately i think that's kind of guided by this voice the spiritual voice i'm hearing in my head i don't really have i don't know I don't have an answer for it beyond that. Did, <laughs> um, I guess, like, tell me a story about one of those coincidences that made you be like, all right, there's, there's something wiggy going on here. Mm-hmm. The most, I mean, they happen so often, it's hard to pinpoint one. The most recent one that just popped up is, uh, and this isn't even a coincidence so much as just like a, a dream. I had a dream about my grandma who just passed and it, it's been maybe a, close to a year since she passed and my family has talked about having dreams about her and how she's faceless in these dreams. But this dream, she was very much right in front of me. I was hugging her. I was crying. And she said to enjoy it for a minute before I'm gone again. And then a minute later I woke up 
my alarm was about to go off. And it's just like, it just, you know, I don't know, not that that's like a God or anything, but that's like, you know, there's spirit, there's, there's a, a spirit realm that we can't see. Like, I, I believe I was visited by my grandma and that's like, you know, I'm, I'm part native. And so that's like culturally native Americans kind of believe that after you pass, people come back and visit you. And so, um, I don't know, stuff like that happens very often. Mm-hmm. You you had kind of mentioned the like you're trying the organized religion sort of thing. I guess what shape did that take in your life, and why did that push you away? So I was raised Catholic, um, and Catholic is very like rigorous. And I remember being a kid and like seeing my friends go to these like I I don't even know what denominations they were, but going to like just regular Christian churches, not Catholic churches, and they would they seemed like they were having so much fun. And like they were doing all these kid activities and like playing outside and, and doing youth groups and stuff. And then I would be at Catholic church and it's just this like old white haired man, old white haired white man talking to us, you know, it's just like had no connection to what he was saying, had no connection to what we were doing. It was just like, you're just doing it to do it. You know what I mean? And that is kind of like, I don't, that's kind of how I don't want to live my life. I don't want to just do things to do them. And it might, it might stem from that ultimately. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I I was also raised Catholic. So I, I feel that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. What is your definition of God? I guess just like a a creator is the the only thing I can think of. Um, I I think, I don't know. It's weird to to say any one person has an accurate definition because isn't that how these organized religions came about? Like, I don't think anybody knows until you, you, you meet them and like, and maybe that happens on death. I don't, I don't really know, but I don't, I don't don't know. Just creator, I guess. Yeah. Um, Omnipresent. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) What is free will? Non-existent. (laughs) Cool. Expand. (laughs) <laughs> I don't I don't know if I have enough expansion. Um I think we all think we make our decisions of our own accord, but man, there is billions of do- trillions of dollars spent to make sure that we do not do that. And not even in some malicious like conspiracy government way, but like all these companies that are selling something spend a lot of money to make you want to buy their shit. And you cannot tell me that you're buying their shit out of free will because you've seen a ton of ads, you've seen your friends use it, you, you know, <laughs> I don't know. And then there, there's the social media aspect where it's like Facebook and Instagram are designed to like feed you those ads. And they're also designed to keep you on their app for as long as possible. They're, they're trying to take your time away from you. So, and, and we all use them freely. <laughs> so I, I don't know. There's no free will. We think there is, but. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think happens when we die? Hmm. That is the question. There's like, you know, the physics behind it is like your energy and, and matter get recycled in the universe. And I, you know, that, that offers a nice, like kind of scientific basis for, for kind of what I go on, but I don't know if I believe in full and reincarnation, but definitely like, I think energy sticks around. Um, like I I mentioned, I, I I believe I got visited by my grandma in that dream. And so, you know, that's not reincarnation per se, but it's energy, I guess, or spirit. Yeah. How do you determine what good behavior is? I guess ultimately, if it's consistent with my values, I I think it to be good behavior. But that might get tricky if somebody doesn't have a good value system. Then it, you know, I I don't know. I don't really, yeah, I don't really have like a an external check for that. I guess it's really it's really just if it's if I, I try and act in consistency with my value system. Mm-hmm. I guess then what are your core values? Like what are the things that you kind of keep going back to that do kind of drive those decisions? Empathy is a big one. Uh, Curiosity is a big one. And those two definitely play hand in hand. Like you need to be curious to be empathetic. You need to be empathetic to be curious. Um, Purpose driven, not just in like a career, but like I want what I, I, I want to do things that have purpose. 
I don't want to just feel like I have purpose. I want to actually have, I want to, I want to, I want to make difference for those around me. Um, in, in positive, hopefully positive ways. Um, I guess that's all, all, all I got at the top. Yeah. <laughs> How do we reduce the division between people? Empathy and curiosity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Yeah. Just stop thinking you're right about everything, including my, you know, including myself, <laughs> like stop thinking you've done all the research because you've read some internet articles. Cause that's not research at all. Um, stop assigning yourself to one party, one or the other. I'm not even talking from a liberal or conservative, you know, just like, I don't know, realize that we're all humans in this together and not just colors on a political map. Yeah. Do you believe humans are evil by nature? <laughs> I think we have the, the ability to span the spectrum of good and evil in our actions and thoughts. We're not just a good or evil being. We have the ability to, to do both. And, and sometimes those evil temptations are a little more alluring than the good temptations. Um, I don't think we're evil by nature, no. Hmm. <laughs> what do you think humanity is heading towards in the future? Mass extinction event. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you're looking for a better answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, no, I mean, like, just, yeah, I mean, it sucks, but that one comes up often. <laughs> right. And, and, and not even in just like the world's dying around this kind of way. It's like that mass extinction events happen in nature. Like, if you read about the history of the world or even history of civilizations or different cultures, like these things pop up and drive for a couple hundred years and then they're gone. And we're not different from that, you know, just because we have cell phones and internet, like we're no different from the rest of history. So I don't know. It's, 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 that's a bleak view, but <laughs> it's, it is hard to see good coming out of where we're at right now, but there is, you know, there's good out there. It's just hard to see. Well, uh, and I always put this question after that because that uh, always gets kind of bleak answers. What makes you optimistic <laughs> about our future? <laughs> hmm. That's a tough one too, because that's part of the problem. Like there, there seems to be fewer things that are making people optimistic. Um, it seems like everywhere you look, something good is turning bad. Something that was once good is turning bad. And so, but that's not, that's not necessarily the case. I, there's got to be good out there and optimism out there. In my personal life, I mean, what keeps me driving is, is music for better or worse. That's what keeps me waking up every day. Um, but then you look at music as a whole and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's taken like a little bit, the industry, especially it's taken a downturn, you know, especially with COVID and live events. That's, I, I was talking mostly record sales and, and consumption habits, but you know, COVID has wrecked live events, um, tours are being canceled again. So it's, I don't know, but it still keeps me waking up every day and wanting to, to live. So. Yeah. <laughs> what makes you content? Mm. Realizing right now how rarely I am content. <laughs> <laughs> I guess like eating and watching a, a, a show I enjoy, eating like dinner or something and watching a show I enjoy, I am content then. But outside of that, I'm like always, our culture, we're always doing something, man. There's always something to be done. There's never a resting moment. And if you're resting, you're, you're not doing it right, quote unquote, you know? So I, it's, I don't know. It's hard to just sit still and be content. <laughs> to, to, sit still and be content uh like what's what's a good like ideal dinner and show to watch like just paint us that picture of like a good content evening <laughs> okay frozen pizza from trader joe's the, the roasted vegetable one because i'm not some psycho that loves meat lovers frozen pizza and <laughs> community <laughs> Nice, nice. <laughs> just because I'm watching that right now, and it's it's absolute gold. <laughs> Sweet, till so you get to the the gas leak season, unless you're past the gas leak season. Yeah, I am. I don't think I I don't think I realized what was happening in the gas leak season because I've gotten references about it after, but I don't I didn't realize. Uh, there was a yeah, it was apparently that like Dan Harmon had like not been like the showrunner for like a season or two. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. And so like everything sense. was like 
way weird. And then afterwards they were just like, that didn't happen. It was weird. That is so <laughs> funny. That is so funny. <laughs> the way they break the fourth wall is genius. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when will you be satisfied? Mm. I don't know if I ever will be, honestly. Part of not being satisfied is like what keeps me progressing and growing. And I just see a lot of people around me, like in, in, in my, in my journey, you know, you outgrow people and then you kind of meet a new group of people um, that meet your ideals. And then if you keep growing, you all grow them and you'll meet a new group of people that meet your new ideals and so on. And it just seems like every time I like do that, the people around me get like stagnant or, or stuck. Stuck's not, stuck's a weird word, <laughs> but they get like stuck. Um, they get complacent. They get fat and happy for, for lack of a better word. And I don't know, that just doesn't appeal to me. It does in ways like I would love to just turn off my brain, but I, I don't know. I just, I just have to keep growing and keep progressing in whatever it is. Like I can never just sit back and be like, I've done good, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you think of the Oklahoma music scene? What's, where are we going? What is the state now? <laughs> hmm. The state now seems, uh, it seems like it's better than it has ever been since I've been here as far as like venues to play shows at and bands to play shows with and, and just, um, and that kind of thing. And Tower Theater and Pony Boy, you know, they're relatively new to the scene. They're bringing a ton of cool stuff, like a ton of opportunity for the local artists. And so that's a giant move. Um, like it's in the day to day, it's hard to like step back and kind of realize like how much the scene grows year to year in an industry standpoint, not just like the clicks or the popular bands, but like industry wise, the city's growing. And, um, I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't know if that means we're going to be the next Austin, like some people think or whatever, but it's, it's hard to imagine there being like significant financial industry here for music in the next five years. I mean, it could be 10 years before this is a viable city to live in and play music full time. Um, not that there aren't people doing that already, but, uh, as far as like the scene, um, there's a weird click happening in the scene, but that's always the case, I guess. Um, I don't know, just people in any networking profession, I guess, people try and, and make connections for the sake of furthering themselves. And that is like not what I'm about. Uh, so I prefer genuine connections. And, um, and so I don't know, I, I, don't, I don't have an insider perspective on, on the scene itself, I guess. Cause I'm kind of, I, I, I think I kind of exist on the outskirts a little bit and kind of just poke in and out where I want, um, which is how I prefer. I don't want to be at the, the bar every night trying to uphold my social standing, you know, that sounds exhausting. Like when do you work on music? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, it's nice to actually like hear that perspective. Cause, uh, yeah, I, I'm like seeing a lot of things that you're talking about as well. So. Yeah. 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 A <laughs> um, few more questions for you. Uh, what advice do you have for people in general? Hmm. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Be kind to yourself and to other people. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it short and sweet. Simple as that. It's, it, I don't, I don't like, I mean, I don't have answers. I don't like thinking. It, it's so weird to me that some people like want to be, leaders some people think they have it figured out to want to lead people or to influence people's perspective it's that's such an interesting thing to me i don't know <laughs> uh you said to come back to this question so we are oh gosh <laughs> what oh, something people don't normally know about you <laughs> and you don't have to do like some grand revelation or whatever it's just you know <laughs> i hmm so much pressure on this one question <laughs> i love frogs but not as much as everyone thinks to keep gifting me frog things <laughs> everybody in my life gives me frog stuff now that i post a few frog memes on instagram so i'll put that out in the universe yeah it's like thanks for the frogs <laughs> i now have enough frogs <laughs> yes <laughs> uh all right. And then lastly, potentially most importantly, cake or pie? Cake. All right. What is best cake? Best cake. Chocolate mousse cake. I'm a fan of chocolate mousse cake. 
Nice, nice. Yeah. <laughs> chocolate mousse pie is really good too, though. That's a hard one. <laughs> I mean, just chocolate mousse is is a good good thing to go for, regardless of what shape it's in. <laughs> Where are you, cake or pie? What are you? Uh, pie. Uh, ah. I, I think that the uh, spongy, fluffiness, airy uh, is not the substance that I go to sweets for. And so if I'm like having something sweet, I want like the just powerful, like filling of, you know, even if it's like a fruity pie or something, or if, even if it is like a, a, you know, chocolate filled thing still. Yeah. Makes but sense. I understand people's preferences in that. Like, I'm never <laughs> going to be like, oh, how dare you be cake? So. <laughs> Kick me off the show for being cake. <laughs> Um, although I will say that like proportionately there are less, uh, kind of a lot less cake than pies. Really? Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. Mm. Uh, but that's also a little bit changed because of the fact that like cheesecake is considered pie because it is. Is it? Yeah. I mean, what makes a pie? The name? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a pie crust and then like a, a like filling that is you know like substantive versus like what makes a cake is like you know the airy spongy stuff you're right uh and the, and it may not may or may not require icing and so like based on that like cheesecake is pie it's just a misnomer you're right you're right <laughs> I, i'm not a fan of cheesecake so i i, I can't attest uh, to what it, it cheesecake is but <laughs> you're right <laughs> Uh, Caleb, thank you so much for doing this with me. Where can people find you and your things? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'm on Instagram, like most people, uh, at Kodos Band, I guess. I'll link the, the band. Um, or at Caleb E. Gray. Uh, Spotify and all that stuff, Kodos. Yeah. And if you need, you know, any kind of... Uh, I mean, do you do mixing and producing yeah. and stuff so <laughs> yeah um no i wouldn't say i do that full-time so i'm not like just actively looking for projects but if i like the music and i like you i love to work with you <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah uh thank you so much uh it's like pleasure to have you and once again long time coming so uh and then we're just about to do the second one but anyways uh i'm Santiago Ramones, caleb gray and now here's champion by Kodos. Let's get it.
You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music and produce audio. The music you're hearing now is music I make. You can listen to official releases by Santiago Ramones on Spotify, Apple Music, and the other streaming places. Or you can buy it on Bandcamp because a single purchase is the monetary equivalent of streaming it all day, every day, for about a week. I'm working on an album, so if you'd like to hear that at some point, you can buy my music or you can support me on Patreon. There's a Discord server in which we discuss deep topics from the podcast, but it's also a community of beautiful human beings. All the links to all my things are on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. If you like the podcast, leave comments on social media, leave reviews saying how much you like the podcast, and tell your friends about it. I want to help the world have deeper conversations. So thank you for listening to and supporting BitDeck. Uh... And I was in the podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are love never fails. It's going to be okay. I might be wrong. (laughs) 